Well, good morning, everybody. I feel like you guys need to... It's like filled in from the back row. Hello, hello back there. Well, it's wonderful once again to be sharing in God's Word together. Let's pray, shall we, as we reflect on our great Christian hope. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the work that you have done that assures us of our future. We ask, please, today that you would lift our eyes, lift them from wherever we find ourselves right now, whether it's times of trial or times of wonderful success. Help us to lift our eyes beyond that to the hope that awaits, something so much grander, so much more wonderful than anything that awaits in this world. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one of the wisest men who ever lived, the teacher in Ecclesiastes, said, God has placed eternity into the hearts of men. In some ways, it's one of the defining characteristics of humanity is our capacity to look forward, to think, to dream, to aspire, to plan. Uh, various creatures in nature may well prepare for the coming winter, but to look further ahead and to base our lives now on what we see really is very human. Our present is so often shaped by our future. Just think for a moment of that long Friday afternoon at work, right? You've had perhaps a little bit too much lunch, it's sitting heavy, it's the middle of summer, you're bored, there's no work to do and the day's just dragging on, but you've got tickets to the game, so you will endure. You will wait until five o'clock and leave happy or perhaps you can make it through the next three months because the wedding date has been set or you, you've booked the holiday so you're going to get through, you're going to... The future shapes our present. Whatever your circumstances actually, humans seem to have this remarkable capacity for that to happen. Humans really are, above all else, creatures of hope. Even in the most terrible of circumstances, we have this robustness, this capacity to look forward, that, such that hope can be found even in the darkest of places. I was reading this week the story of an American Air Force man, Sergeant Lloyd Ponder, who fought in World War II and was captured. So he ended up in a prisoner of war camp in Japan and he, he endured remarkably well. I mean, you think about being in a situation like that, no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. Are you ever going to be rescued? Are you going to be killed? Are you going to be tortured? Are you going to be... right? And yet this man made it through his entire ordeal with... Well, he came home with one scratch that he gave himself opening a tin of food. And he was asked when he got home, what, what gave you the determination, the mental fortitude to see it through? And he replied, hope makes a difference. If you don't have hope, you're gone. Having hope can get you through anything. Which is a wonderful sentiment with a fatal flaw. Hope can get you through anything, he said. And it did get him through that ordeal. He came home. He lived a full life. He had children, had a wonderful job that he did. And yet for all of Lloyd Ponder's hope, for all that it saw him through that particular ordeal, 
On November 15th, 2023, well, we're talking three months ago, aged 102, he died. And what of his hope? You see, for all of our capacity to hope, for all that God has placed eternity in our hearts, death mocks us. The end of hope stands before all of us and says, whatever it is that you aspire to, whatever it is that you look forward to, in the end it will be destroyed. It gets left behind. You can survive the most brutal of circumstances, you can endure, you can succeed even, and yet you will die. Now, our culture tries desperately to ignore it, to hide it, by the way. Even just talking about death feels like a downer, it feels like a, a depressing subject to talk about because we try and hide it, right? Consumerism and materialism combined is the ultimate form of burying your head in the sand. It's, it's the ultimate emu, right? doesn't matter what's happening, I'm just going to ignore it. I'm going to buy it. What was last week's line? Getting is better than having, right? I'm just going to gain, gain, gain and that little thrill is going to help me believe believe that there is no death, that I don't need to worry about it. I went to a secular funeral last week. And man, I mean, you want to talk about every single cliche you can think of. It was in this funeral, right? An angel came and took her by the hand and now she's in heaven. I mean, with no, with no basis for that claim at all. She was an avowed atheist, this lady. She would have nothing to do with God or religion. I mean, she was, she was a nice enough person, but, right, all of the, she's looking down on us now from above. I mean, it, we, do you know the one thing that wasn't in this funeral? Any moment of sober reflection on what death means. Isn't that a strange thing? I mean, we're at a moment of death. We're here because of a dead person and the celebrant not once stopped to reflect on death. Nice platitudes, lovely sentiments. Now, we start there because it's into our dark world, it's into this existence with the shadow of death over it that Christian hope shines so brightly. If we don't start with the black backdrop, we might miss the shining light. Powerful, enduring hope that makes a genuine difference to your life now. I mean, it has incredible implications for eternity, but it changes life now. Now, what I want to talk about this morning, you'll see it in your handout there, I've got four headings. I want to talk firstly about what is Christian hope? How is it different to the world's hope? Then why is that so good? Thirdly, how do you get it? And fourthly, what effect does it have on our lives? What is Christian hope? Now, hope at its most basic is an expectation, it's looking forward to something that's good with a reasonable expectation of it happening. Hope is looking forward to something good. Nobody hopes that they'll break a leg. I mean, maybe you have a reason for wanting a broken leg, but generally, we don't hope for a broken leg, right? We, we don't hope for our house to catch fire and burn to the ground. It's not, you don't hope for bad things. I mean, we might hope for that to happen to the hall, but that's for good reasons, that's not because... 
You hope for good things, pleasant things, nice things in your future, but you also hope for things that have a reasonable expectation of happening. You don't hope for the impossible. None of us wander around hoping that a magical fairy unicorn will land in front of us, grant us three wishes of our desires, and then take us for a joyride to Paris, right? Like, you, you don't walk around hoping for that sort of thing. It, you don't even hope for realistic things that are impossible, right? At staff meeting on Monday, we don't sit there hoping or planning how we are going to spend the money when somebody who we've never heard of dies and leaves the church $20 million, right? Like, it's just... I mean, if you want to, please. But we don't, we don't hope for that, okay? It's, it, it, it's, not, it's not realistic. It's not expected. We do sometimes use the word hope to mean a, a pipe dream. We do sometimes use it that way, right? I really hope that world peace will happen in my lifetime or whatever these big things are. But generally, we hope for realistic things. So I, I really hope for a snooze this afternoon, I love my Sunday afternoon snooze. There's something, there's something just perfect about it. I don't know what it is, but Sunday afternoons are the time for a snooze. Now, will it happen? Actually, quite likely to. My wife is very kind, and she very often says, yep, off you go, right? Go have your light, and the kids are all having theirs. You go and snooze. We even postponed a meeting, right? So the odds are very high. We, we hope for the raise at work or the promotion or that the, the girl that I like might like me back or that, right, we, we have these realistic hopes. Now, Christian hope is the best version of both of those aspects, the good thing that you hope for and the expectation of it happening. Maybe just start to ponder for a moment what it is that Christians hope for. I don't know if you heard in our, in our second reading in 2 Thessalonians, there were a number of things in there, right? We hope for salvation, we hope for sanctification, we hope to obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder if you just started writing a list of the things that Christians hope for, what would you end up with? The appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, the redemption of our bodies, eternal comfort, righteousness, an inheritance from God, a whole new life in an entire new creation where all the bad things of this one are gone. It's a pretty good hope, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, you take your current sorrow, your current worry, your current anger, your current sadness, your current sin, your current difficulty your current stress, your current conflict. And not only are the bad things gone, but then all the good things that belong to God are given to us. Peace, righteousness, rest. All of that with the promise of a Spirit-empowered life now. So it's a tremendous hope for the future that brings with it its benefits all the way now. Not all of them, we wait for many more to come, but all of our hardship gives way to a life of pure, unveiled worship of God. Finally, God's plan enacted. His people in His place under His perfect rule. Whatever it is that you're currently hoping for, it pales into insignificance compared to the hope we have in Christ. 
But not only is the hope so good, think about the likelihood of it happening. Usually, because we are humans and limited, when we talk about hope, there's always an element of uncertainty. I really hope my team will win. Now, it doesn't matter if they're coming off the back of a 15 winning streak, they're unbeaten and there's just nobody who can compare. There is a chance they will lose. Right? What, was, what was his name? The, the ice skater who everybody else fell in front of him and he went through, right? Stephen Bradbury. Who puts odds on, I really hope my like, right, European champion skater, whatever it was, who won, and he just stacked it, took everyone else out and poof, there goes Steve. So, so we say, I hope my team will win. There's, there's that element of uncertainty, we're not quite sure. Whereas Christian hope is unusual in that regards, because it's assured. Hebrews 6 talks about the full assurance of hope. Why? Well, come with me to 1 Peter. I know it wasn't one of our readings, but we're going to go in there for a little bit before we come back to 2 Thessalonians. Come with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. Good habit, open your Bible, let's have a look at it together. We're heading right towards the end, I'm on page 1093, so yours will be close-ish to that, if you're in the Pew Bibles. Right towards the end, it's just a couple of books, you know, there's Revelation, John's, and then Peter's before that. 1 Peter chapter 1. And I'm reading from verse 3. He says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Did you see there how the hope comes? Through what? Through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. But when did that happen? That's already happened. Our hope isn't based on an uncertain future, our hope is based on something that's already happened. If my snooze this afternoon was entirely dependent upon me having eaten mushrooms and two fried eggs for breakfast, then my snooze is assured, because <laughs> that's what I had for breakfast. It, 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 they're not connected, it's very hard to illustrate it, because they're not connected, but if it was, right, in this case, our hope is based on the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, because our hope is for new life, a new life that has been given to us. New life that comes through new birth. And did you notice who is protecting that future? It's God Himself whose power guards our future. Right, verse 5, he says, You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last times. And I'll let you in on a little secret, nothing can defeat God. <laughs> There is no power that's greater than His, and He is constant, He's not whimsical. It's not that tomorrow He's going to change His mind. Ah, you know what, forget about it. I've, I've hoarded this thing for too long, I'm just going to chuck it out now. And we get there and say, but where's the inheritance you promised? Ah, chucked it out, it got old, right? It doesn't work like that. God is constant, He's the same yesterday, today and forever. 
transcends even, did you notice, death. For it's the resurrection of Jesus from the dead that guarantees our hope. All human hopes fade. They're mocked. They're brought to nothing by death. But the hope in the Lord Jesus, well, He's already defeated death. (laughs) He has already gone to the place where we hope to go, life after death. Which helps us understand why it is that Christian hope is so very good. Hope is a strange thing. So often it has nothing to do with us. I hope my team wins. Will my hoping change the outcome? I watched the Soccer World Cup with great interest last year and a little bit of hope that Argentina might win. And as each game progressed and they kept winning, they made it through to the next stage and they made it through the next stage, my hope grew along with my anxiety, (laughs) the desire for this outcome to happen, the good thing that seemed so close, could it finally happen in my lifetime? I wore my jersey, I put the scarf on, I got up early to watch the games, I screamed and shouted when it wasn't three o'clock in the morning, I listened to the commentary from Argentina in Spanish because it's so much more interesting than the British commentators. Yes, he's passed the ball now. Hmm, that's an interesting play. And the Argentinians, oh, come on, he's got the ball, he's got the kick, he's got the And you know what? For all that I did, all of my hope had zero impact on the outcome, didn't it? Whether they won or lose, they didn't even know that I'm sitting in my lounge room watching, cheering them on. That hope was completely disconnected from me. Whether it happened or not, Now, sometimes our hope is based on our performance and if something, that, if anything, that's worse, right? Will I get this promotion at work? I hope I do. I hope I've done enough. Will I get a good enough mark in the exam? I hope I've worked hard enough. I hope I can achieve it. Now, Christian hope is so good because it takes both of those ideas and puts it all in the hand of somebody who cannot fail. Did you notice again in our 1 Peter passage there that we read? How is it that this hope comes in verse 3? Because of His great mercy. He has given us new birth. You see, this hope is a gift. It is not dependent on our own actions. It's not dependent on random outside forces. It's not up in the air and uncertain whether it will happen or not. God chooses to give it to us. Flick back to 2 Thessalonians. Let's have a little look at how he puts it, Paul puts it there. Uh, we're just going back four or five books, right? Back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And listen again to verse 13, 2 Thess 2, verse 13. We ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters loved by God, because from the beginning, God has what? Chosen you 
for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel that you might obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Down at verse 16, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who has loved us and given us eternal encouragement and good hope by grace, encourage your hearts. You see, Christian hope is different because it is given to us by God. I've been at six births now, at all of them, every single one without failure, the baby did nothing. Very lazy little things, aren't they? All they do is get pushed out and start crying. Nothing, nothing at all, no contribution, none whatsoever. And here is the picture of our Christian hope. It depends on no one and nothing other than God, who is both good and powerful, who has chosen his people and given them all that they require. And so the foundation of Christian hope, why it is so good, the foundation of Christian hope is the sovereign, the free and sovereign grace of God. He owes nothing to nobody, and yet he chooses willingly to give. He chose us. He acted in Christ. He is the one who will glorify. And so the certainty of the Christian hope isn't just that it will happen, but it's that it will happen to us. For he has chosen to give it. No uncertain, undeserved platitudes. This isn't the, the, the funeral for the non-Christian where we vaguely hope that the angel came and took them by the hand to heaven. No, this is a sure and certain hope based on God's action to choose his own. Which raises the question then, well, how do you get this hope? How do you get the hope that we're talking about? The answer, strange as it may seem, is that you have to be born again. <laughs> Which is a really weird sentence, isn't it? Jesus said it to a religious teacher named Nicodemus. Nicodemus said to Jesus, what must I do to gain eternal life? And Jesus said, well, what you have to do is be born again. And he went, huh? What do you mean? I'm, I'm not going back where I came from, if you know what I'm saying. Ain't nobody going to enjoy that. I mean, that's... How can... It can't go... Be, what? And Jesus said, no, you've got to be born again. Right, it's, it's such a powerful picture we, we are so messed up in our sin, us human beings, by our own nature, that it's not enough to, to apply a patch. It's not enough to find the right religious duties or to somehow earn enough merit to pray the right things in the right ways and to give the money to the right people and to do the charitable works or even to just be a good enough person. We are so messed up in sin that what we require is a completely new start, a new birth, to be a new person altogether, a new nature, to be born of God. Which again is such a powerful image because being born is not something you can do. How do you get this hope? Well, actually, birth has to happen to you. <laughs> New birth that comes by God's Spirit and by God's Word. Did you notice there in verse 13, God has chosen you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and through belief in the truth. 
The Spirit of God is the power that works to bring new birth, and it's the Spirit of God that works through the Gospel. God has chosen to choose His people through the work of the proclamation of the good news about Jesus. That's the Gospel. It's it's the message of victory won. It's what we're preaching, that Jesus has been raised from the dead and so gives great hope. Hear and believe, that is the work of the Spirit of God. That is the work that brings this hope. It's such a good image, because it also helps us understand, how, how can I know if I have been born again? How can I know with confidence and assurance that I am one of the ones that God has chosen to give new birth to. Well, let me ask you a question. How do you know you were born? Not as a Christian, I mean just general, right? How how, how do you know you were born? I mean, it can't be that hard a question, can it? I guess you could go to the registrar. Excuse me, could you please give me a copy of my birth certificate, right? And you've got it. Although that feels a little bit unnecessary because you're here, you're walking, you're talking, you're breathing, you're thinking, I hope, <laughs> you're listening. <clears throat> How do you know if you've been born again? Well, are you breathing and listening and thinking and living? Are you somebody who, who, who now feels the life of the gospel? Are you somebody who feels the need to repent of their sin and to be forgiven, who who is hungry for the spiritual milk of God's Word? Are you somebody who breathes the air of grace and loves it? Are you somebody who has found life in the hope of the promises of God? It's one of those things where you know if you've been born again because you're alive to God. He has made you alive. The Spirit works in you to transform you. Now, can I say, if that's not you today, if you're thinking, actually, you know what, I don't feel spiritually alive. I don't feel that I know the Gospel, that my mind has been transformed, that my desires are inclined towards God, that I love His ways and His Word. If that's not you, then can I ask you to trust and believe the truth? And really what you need to do above all else is to ask God for His gift. He's the one who gives it. New birth comes as a gift from Him. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a gift that He has promised to give you, if you will but ask. Come and ask Him, He'll say yes. And if yes, if you do know yourself to be alive, then like the psalmist in Psalm 42, I love that psalm, he, he talks to his own soul. It's a little chat that he's having with his soul. Hey, um, little soul, just... Just trust God. Hope, hope in God, would you? I know life's hard right now. But oh my soul, hope in God, He'll deliver. Hope in God, He's trustworthy. Hoping, I hope you're in the habit of preaching the gospel to yourself. That's, that's my sentence for it. This little conversation with His soul. Daily as you face whatever it is, good or bad, preach the gospel to yourself. Remind yourself of this truth which is what gives us our hope. Well, finally then, what effect does Christian hope have on our life? You know, the future shapes the present. 
It happens in all sorts of ways in our lives, right? I've booked the cruise, so now I've started packing. I've, uh, we've got one of our young guys, he's getting married in June. Right, well, now we've got to have the engagement party and we've got to start planning the wedding and we've got to invite the preacher and we've got to... Right, like, this is a future event. It's not happening yet, but it shapes your now. I know I've got a big presentation at work on Thursday, so I'm stressing about it now. I, I've got to have this conversation, so I'm playing through it in my head. I, I know that I'm going to have... The, the future shapes the present very powerfully. And I'll tell you what, this certain knowledge that we have, remember our hope is assured because it's based in what's already happened to Jesus, this certain assurance that we have of such tremendous glory ought to completely transform our lives now. Whatever the circumstances. Hope is, if you like, hope is kind of like the emotional reservoir that enables us to face whatever comes. If you're finding it hard to face life Christianly, set your eyes on Jesus for a while. Set your eyes on this hope that we have. Right, when you've been wronged, hope gives us the power to forgive because we know that the future is righteous and God will deal with all wrongs. He will right all wrongs. When you've been hurt, hope allows you to persevere, knowing that whatever pain is in this life will give way to joy. When you sin, <clears throat> hope allows you to repent and come to God seeking forgiveness, knowing that God is already at work to sanctify you and make you more and more like Him. When you've been sinned against, hope enables us to forgive knowing that our hope is found in our forgiveness. When you're going through good times, <clears throat> when, you, when you've come into wealth and treasure and rest and luxury, hope enables you to not worship that because we know we've got something even better still to come. When we grieve, we grieve not like those who have no hope, we have great hope for ourselves in the face of death that ours is not the end. And for them, that God is kind and merciful. Death is not the last word. Hope, out of all the emotions we've spoken about so far, it really is the powerhouse for so much of Christian life. You know, Sergeant Lloyd Ponder, his human hope was born out of this Christian hope. The last words that are attributed to him, that they wrote on his tombstone, lived his life as an example to others and loved his Lord Almighty. How can you endure a prisoner of war camp? He had his eyes set on heaven. How is it that you're going to face the challenges of your life? Well, if I can just borrow last week's application, treasure the Lord Jesus above all else and trust Him in everything. As we wrap up today, can I encourage you that as you rejoice in the victory won, as you face sorrow sitting deep in the love in the hand of our Heavenly Father, 
as you deal with your anger with forgiveness, as you seek contentment, learning to treasure and to trust in the Lord Jesus, and as you hope above all else in the eternal life that the Lord Jesus has already won for you. I pray that the peace of God surpasses all understanding, that it will guard your heart and your mind in the knowledge and love of God and of His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, now and forever. Amen.